Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. This is Tyler Chef. I am your host, and we are back for another week to learn how to earn. Folks, thanks so much for taking the time to listen. I want to start out right there as I want to tell you how much I appreciate you taking the time to listen. And if recently you filled out surveys that have asked you the most the, the podcast that you listen to the most or your favorite real estate podcast, and you help me climb to the top of the charts, I am forever grateful because it's when I love seeing feedback from the actual people that are listening to the show and not iTunes stats and things like that, but actually people in the field that are taking the time out of their busy day to listen to me go on for 15 to sometimes 45 minutes. Sorry for that, guys but to bring you the information that I think is important to get out there so you can get things going to the next level so you can put yourself in a better position so that you can become a bigger, better investor. So to all of you, hats off. That said, I am here in Nashville, Tennessee. So I'm recording this from Nashville, Tennessee. Interesting thing, you know, even though we're financially free, that doesn't mean I drive a Lambo. That means I drive an RV and a Jeep because I don't have big Lambo payments. But we decided to come to Nashville, Tennessee and uh, hang out and see the Country Music Hall of Fame and all that good stuff. So we're here in the RV. We found it. We looked at all the RV parks and they wanted like $125 to park for the night. It's like, you gotta be crazy. So we found out you can go to the fairgrounds they got sewer hookups in the whole nine yards and uh, we got a great spot we're right close down to the by the strip there to broadway and been going to the restaurants and doing the sites and having a great old time so that said that would not be possible boys and girls without passive income without rental income without buying those properties that spill off cash flow every month with little to no work for jill and i okay we bought the properties had them renovated we do a good job of managing the managers managing the assets and making sure they produce but also that we provide good value to the tenants. And because we provide good value to our tenants, we're paid handsomely for the people who live there. Okay, that said, this episode, we're going to talk about creative acquisition. I got an email in from a guy. We're going to call him Brian. I change his name uh, to, to Brian just to kind of, he gives some details here that I want to share with you, but I don't necessarily want to share his personal information using his name because he didn't give me his permission to do so. And I wouldn't want to violate someone's trust. That said, I'm going to read you this email and we'll go ahead and get started. He says, hey there, I won't make this all drawn out, but I'll try to refrain from getting too extensive here. Simply put, I've truly learned a lot from you, and I feel like you're the go-to guy. Well, Brian, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Now that you're on the road, you're definitely the one I want to reach out and reach out to and ask. You know, it's funny you mentioned that. Ever since we went on the road, people are like, wow, I guess they really are financially free. <laughs> they were able to buy an RV cash and then travel around the country and not have to worry about a job. So, yes, we actually did do that, and here we are in Nashville. Anyway. An agent such as yourself, you're the only one I've ever heard of that would accept a commission payable via payments. Brilliant. Truly brilliant. As such, here's what I'd like to do to structure a deal. Before I bore you all the details and lack of funds, my income is roughly 21000 a year net after 12000 a year mortgage. That really doesn't leave a lot of room. I have about five k saved in cash and a little more than that in a 401k. Credit is fair, about six fifty to six eighty. What's the likelihood of having an agent find a seller finance lease option purchase that would accept monthly payments that I can... Then find a renter to rent and fulfill my end of the agreement. Well, I'd say quite likely. Additionally, the agent accepting the buyer and seller commission from my proceeds of the rent on a monthly payment basis as well. Meaning that the seller gets the true full price offer without commissions. Closing costs would be taken from the sale. Would this be something that you could or be willing to facilitate? Any feedback could truly be appreciated. So this is a great question. I love when people are getting creative. You're rolling your sleeves up. You're kind of thinking through this situation. So first of all, two thumbs up. Well done. 
for thinking about the tools that are in front of you, the options that may or may not be present to you. So let's let's kind of back up and break that down a little bit. First of all, he talks about his own lack of funds. Though so Brian, totally get it. Own lack of funds, that's a, that's a situation. So let's look at the qualification process. Now, a seller is kind of gonna want gonna want a warm fuzzy that you're gonna perform because if you don't perform, it's kind of expensive for them to have to foreclose on you, take the property back. Somebody lives there, yada yada yada. You know what the how that goes. So we want to make sure that we position ourselves in a way that we can perform. So the first question I'd ask is, do you have someone else in your sphere that could maybe join you in this deal to infuse a little bit of cash into the situation? And by a little bit of cash, I mean, I don't know, five or 10 grand, whatever it may be. And this totally depends on the purchase price of the property. But I know you have your own cash, but bear with me on that. Hold on to your cash for a second. But maybe bring somebody in who can infuse some cash into the situation because I'm probably going to guess whatever you buy is going to need a little bit of work. It's maybe going to need some light renovations. You're going to need, like you like you said, closing costs. You're going to have to put some skin in the game, but that doesn't necessarily have to be your skin. So if you're the person that's willing to roll up your sleeves and get the work done and, and do the grit, then maybe you should help you know partner with somebody who's got capital but doesn't necessarily have time, Okay, first of all, before we even get into the agent side of the equation. Because keep in mind, in the scenario that I talk about on the show where I use my commission to help the buyers close, I have to look at that as a lender because when I'm taking payments for my commission, I am looking at this as a basically a deed of trust is what it is, is I'm looking at it going, what's the likelihood of this person paying me back? Because I don't want the house. I want the monthly payments. Okay, It's those monthly payments that keep me out here on the road doing whatever we want to do. You know, last, last week, Jill and I were in another part of Tennessee. And it was like the middle of the week and we're on the kayaks and we go up to the top of this lake, up to a river that where it spilled into the lake, sat next to like a, a rapids and in the spring water and, and red all day long. And it was glorious. Most people can't do that, especially in the middle of the week. So for us, you got to think about as the investor, because the realtor really is the investor in the deal is one of the investors in the deal. What is it that makes us tick? Now, most realtors, as you probably laid out there in your email, most realtors are not in a financial position to do this for you. There's many reasons for that. I'm not going to go deep into those reasons that most of you can probably guess. But to a realtor that's successful and that has streams of income and doesn't necessarily need to work for the commission, so to speak, well, they're in a little different situation because they don't need the money. So maybe somebody like me, it makes more sense to keep my money working. Because if you handed me $50,000 right now, the first thing I would do is find something to make, to do with that $50,000 to make that number grow. Because I'm not the kind of guy that's going to sit in a pile of cash. Whatever I do, I try to go out and make sure I can put that money to work and controlling some assets that are going to spin off income. That's how I generate things. A lot of folks talk about how many doors they have and whatnot or how many properties they got from them. That doesn't really matter. It's like how much income, how much return are you getting on your money? What, what can, you, can, can your money grow or can your asset column grow over time? That's really what matters here, guys. Okay, it's really what matters. So when I look at that, I'm going to look at your situation and go, okay, well, he's got little to no skin in the game. Essentially, he can walk away from this, have nothing to lose. So as the as the investor and the, slash realtor in this deal, I'm not going to be overly excited to get involved in it because I don't perceive you as having a lot of skin in the game as as written. Now, that said, you got some money in your 401k, that's great. And you got money, you got cash in the bank, a couple, you know, five grand in the bank. So well done, first of all, have the discipline to do that. That's impressive. That said, the five grand cash that you have, I would ask you to maybe set that aside as emergency money. You've done a good enough job to be able to save that amount of money, which is an accomplishment all by itself. I would set that money aside in an emergency account. Dave Ramsey talks about this in his debt snowball program that you take a portion of your income, 
you know, he says, I think it starts out with three months and six months and set that aside. I like to tell folks, if you can squeeze a year out of that, great. Obviously, you're not going to live a year off of five grand, but make that a goal. Okay? Make that a, a goal to, to get a year's income set aside at some point. A lot of you rolling your eyes going, that's never going to happen. Well, it absolutely can when you get a, a control of your finances. I'm not going to digress on that whole topic. That said, when you, so you got to ask, okay, what do I have in this deal? If I'm going to take my five grand and set it aside for my rainy day fund, maybe that's um, a month or two of my rainy day fund or, or three or whatever it may be. Then what? Well, I got my 401k. Well, your 401k can be something that could be possibly, depending on where you are, what state and whatnot, it could be pledged as collateral. Or maybe it could buy something that could be used as collateral where there could be a, a non-recourse lien against this asset. And what, so what's an example of that? Let's say that the, the 401k is converted to a self-directed IRA and the self-directed IRA buys a performing note for, I don't know, five grand. And let's say that performing note is worth, I don't know, $7,500. That $7,500 note could be put up as collateral for a $5,000 loan to collateralize a loan. An IRA cannot guarantee anything. So in the event of default of that $5,000 loan, your IRA would lose that account or lose that, that note. Here's the complication though. The, you can't, commingle funds in most cases with an IRA, but with an IRA administrator, you could still potentially structure this deal with under the scrutiny and guidance of a good IRA administrator, third-party administrator to help you structure this in a way to make it legitimate so that it passes the IRS's, uh, you know, muster. Make sure that it's, it's legit and think about different ways that you could use that as an asset. Maybe if you got five grand in there, maybe it's worth it taking the tax hit. Because the taxes on five grand isn't a huge number. So maybe you just cash in the five grand. Maybe you take that five grand, you, ca you cash that IRA in or that 401k and you take the tax hit. You use what's left over to buy a performing note that's going to give you a yield of, I don't know, 10, 15, 20% annually. Uh, and you use that as a, as a piece of collateral to borrow money against it. You can absolutely do that. Okay, so that's one strategy there. Maybe you could offer that as additional collateral to the agent or the seller or whoever is infusing capital or time into this deal. Okay, whoever has some risk in this deal. So once you're able to overcome that, the next thing I'm going to look at as the agent is I'm going to say to myself, okay, what's the likelihood? How is this deal going to get to pay me? Because at the end of the day, let's say my commission's ten grand, just to throw a number out there. And you agree to give me hundred bucks a month till paid, uh, and or hundred bucks a month at six seven percent interest, whatever it works out to be over a period of time. I don't have a calculator in front of me. I'm not going to bother going down the road. Don't worry, you engineers are probably pulling over right now, cutting people off in traffic so you can scream out the answer out the window. 247.7. Anyway, I digress. Let's say, for example, that you look at that information, you look at everything there, everything starts to make sense as the real estate agent. Well, what's the next step? I believe the guy has the ability to pay me because it's a good deal. Not a good deal in the purchase price, but the thing spins off, I don't know, $400 a month in cash flow after debt service after the primary debt service, or after paying the seller. So the first thing I want to tell you is, on a, in a nutshell, yes, it's absolutely doable, but you have to find sellers and agents that have the need. So let's look at me, for example. I have the need because I always need extra money, but that said, I'm willing to think outside the box. I don't need big checks. What I need is small, predictable streams of income that are a pretty much a sure thing. So when deals come together, come in, in front of me, that makes sense and I can negotiate great deals for folks, well, so be it. How, but in the event that you don't pay me, understand that I'm going to foreclose on the property and take it because, well, that's just how it works. <laughs> that's reality. The seller's going to have that same idea. They're going to have that same thought process. What if this guy doesn't pay me? 
you know, the realtors in the game got skin in the game. The agents got, or the, uh, the buyer has no skin in the game or very little skin in the game. What makes sense here? Well, what makes sense here is to bring somebody else in maybe to be a, a capital partner for you. Maybe bring somebody in who's willing to infuse some capital into the deal. Because if we're going to use, let's say, 100%, if you're going to try to 100% finance this, that may be a challenge unless the seller's got a compelling problem, a real big problem, and it happens to be free and clear. So the first thing you would do is to only focus on properties that are free and clear. Forget anything that has existing debt. Because if, unless the existing debt is assumable, which in most cases, unless it's a commercial property, the debt is not going to be assumable unless it's private, but that's still a very small number, you're going to be wasting your time trying to chase somebody that's dealing with Bank of America or Wells Fargo or one of those. So only focus on free and clear properties, okay? No debt on them. Because that leaves lean, a lot of room, a lot of equity that you can lean to protect your investors' interest. And in this case, your investors would be the realtor and the seller. So how I would structure this is I would put the realtor in first position. The realtor would be in first position. Now, in this case, if you're not infusing any cash into the deal, the seller, is in the, even though the seller takes terms, they're not infusing cash into the deal. The realtor's commission only really comes in as a debt position. There's still no cash infused in the deal. So you have to think about there has to be some cash brought into this equation at some point. Me, I don't need cash at the closing table. I would like it starting the next month after the closing, but I don't need cash at the closing table. The seller doesn't have to have cash always at the closing either. What they do want is what the cash will do for them. So theoretically, really what has to come out here is the closing cost. That you're going to need cash for because the title companies and the surveyors and whoever else you're going to have in the mix, they're going to want paid. They're going to want to be satisfied or settled at the closing table. Your inspectors, your termite things. So you're going to need a couple thousand dollars down for that. Now, maybe the agent like me might be willing to front that cash. Maybe not. I'm here to tell you that I would probably want, it would have to be a really good deal with lots of equity. In other words, it'd be a property I'd have to want to want to foreclose on <laughs> if things went south. But don't think that it's not doable. It's absolutely doable. It just has to be the right situation. It has to make sense to me. This uh, That said, you're going to go in town, you bang on doors and ask every realtor in town if they'll do this for you. Well, I can tell you that 99.9% .9 of them probably will not. That's because A, they're either broke, which is the case with probably 95% of realtors out there are working below minimum wage. I believe this, one of my bro my broker told me the stats, I don't remember the exact numbers, but I want to say it was like the average realtor makes like 14 grand a year, 24,000. It was ridiculous what the average income was. It was absolutely ridiculous. And you got the, these, my, most brokers, not my broker, but most brokers, they'll get 50% or better out of your paycheck without providing you anything but legality. They don't give you any leads. They don't coach you or the coaching they do give you is kind of lackluster. So the real estate agents are getting pickpocketed on a regular basis. The MLS alone is a couple thousand dollars a year. Now, to me, I don't even notice that because it's to me, it's not a lot of money because I use my license and I make money with my license. It generates income for me, referral fees, sales commissions, because I'm still a practicing realtor even though I'm a driver around the country. I've got agents that are back in, in my market that are buying and selling, helping my clients buy and sell, and I help them remotely with those transactions. I coach them through negotiations. We work with the sellers and the buyers and lenders, and I've got a great team on the ground in the Tampa Bay market. So I'm still active as a, as a realtor and I will be for a very long time. Why would I turn my back on that income? For me, that's good, solid income that comes in that, well, why not, right? Jill is also a licensed agent in the state of Florida, my wife. So it makes perfect sense. So as far as the seller getting full price without commission, you've been, you've been paying attention. That's a good value to the seller because the seller's like, wow, I get the benefit of an agent representing me maybe or marketing this property 
without having to have the commissions come out of my settlement. Because really, at the end of the day, the buyer is the one that's paying the real estate commission. And how that works is, is this. Yes, it comes out of the seller's funds, air quotes, at closing. But the seller factors that in when they decide what price to sell it at. If the seller wants 100000 for their property net, they're going to probably ask 107 Let's say if it's a 7% or 8% listing, they're going to ask it. They're going to, they're going to uh, go for an asking price of maybe 110 or 115 to cover the real estate agent's commission and to cover the closing costs and whatnot on the deal. That's just how it works, guys. So understand that's how it works. So that said, I wouldn't really be overly concerned about the credit score because I think that whole system is rigged anyway. What really matters is your credit report. If you can pull a copy of your credit report to show that you've, you're paying your bills on time, aside from your score, throw the score out the window because nobody understands the score, including the people that, that invented it. But if you're paying your bills on time, use that as further collateral, so to speak. Gives you intellectual collateral makes people feel good about the transaction. As far as finding agents that will do this, I would start with the agents that are already investors that get it, where their license can be used as a tool in the transaction, not as a means of survival. You follow the difference? I hope you do. An agent that uses their license as a means of survival needs the money, needs that commission at closing to pay their Mercedes-Benz payments and their glamour shot photographer and their hair and, and nail appointments. They need to go out and get those bikinis for those Instagram shots so they can attract more clients because that's what they need to do. That's the reality of it. The guys are out there. It's not cheap renting a Lambo to lay across to impress your clients. It's not cheap. You know, it's gonna. It takes a lot of money. And, and those mansions, they don't. They don't just get there for free. You got to get in there quick and get your photograph taken in front of that mansion before the real owner chases you off the front yard. I'm joking, of course, not really. Anyway. And so to answer your question, this is absolutely doable. I love the creativity here, but you're going to have to find an agent that's already an investor, already has a stream of income and doesn't necessarily, maybe a part-time realtor. This would be ideal for somebody that has the license and maybe dabbles in it. You know, the Aunt Sally. Well, my Aunt Sally's got a license. I'll have her represent me. Yeah, let me know how that works out. If you're going to be the principal in the deal, the buyer, and maybe you've got a little bit of experience, you don't need necessarily the representation bring a quote-unquote licensed agent, somebody who has a license but doesn't maybe necessarily practice into the mix for the purpose of generating that commission. But I'm going to go back to actual dollars. They're willing to represent you in exchange for a fee, okay? So that's all fine and dandy, but at some point, some cash has to be infused into this deal for that to happen. So it's not as cut and dry as it may all sound. So, that, you know, make sure you understand that. You're going to have to have some cash infused into this deal. The seller is going to need to have a unique situation that gives them the motivation to be willing to think outside the box, first of all. So a great example of that is, like I said earlier, somebody has a free and clear house, maybe somebody that has been a long-time investor, and maybe they just want to get their, their property sold without all the hassle of the traditional hoo-ha. Maybe to them, purchase price means more than anything else. Maybe streams of income without having to deal with the tenants make sense for them in that case. You could absolutely go pitch this and you just simply say to them, look, I've got an agent that can help us structure this deal and put this together where it's a win-win. That won't cost you anything, Mr. Jones. We'll go through the process. I'll cover all the closing costs out of my pocket. Now you do have to use your own money for that or borrow some money. Maybe the agent will be willing to front that in cash, uh, especially if you've done a couple of deals together. Maybe that would make sense. And then you can absolutely do this deal. Okay. You can absolutely do this deal. You just have to do the legwork of finding people that are in a position to be able to do this. That's the key. Now, that's you're not going to go up there and walk up, knock on doors and go, hey, Mr. Real Estate Agent, would you like to work for free and I'll someday pay your commission? Because your nose is going to get red from the door getting slammed in it so much. Instead, spend time getting to build relationships with agents. 
are people that have a license that are open to creative acquisition. And I've already given you the, the parameters of what that should look like. You have to now go out there and network and find those people. I guarantee you they're out there in your market, but they're not out there waving a flag in most cases. But there are agents in there, I believe, and maybe I'm crazy, but I believe in, in every market that would consider this if it was presented properly. And by properly, I mean in a way that it benefits them. Because we all as humans think, how is this, what's in it for Tyler? How is this going to benefit me? What is the risk? What is the reward? Is it worth it or not? Is it worth me getting involved in this or am I, is my absolute, my time being absolutely wasted? Which is it? Each person has to answer that for themselves. But if you spend the time talking to people, just like you would a seller, identifying their challenges, boy, I wish I could make an extra 200 bucks a month, the real part-time realtor says to you. Because if I made that extra $200 a month, that would change the game for me. I could buy a new motorcycle or whatever it may be. And then you could go, light bulb, ding, ding. I know a way you could make the next $200 a month. And then you lay it out just like I laid it out for you in this plan, and off you go. You can do this with all types of vendors. You can do this with anybody you can think about who can infuse themselves. Real estate attorneys, same thing. A lot of real estate attorneys are, if they have a license, I don't know about other states, but in Florida, if a real estate attorney has a, or an attorney has a real estate license, which they only have, I think they only have to do is take the test. They can get licensed and earn a commission for the transaction of a real estate sale, therefore generating a commission. So maybe you could even work legal fees into this mix too. Who knows? Lots of options out there. But the only way you're going to get to those options and make this kind of stuff happen is to get out there and talk to people. You should be, the, the key here is lead generation. Networking equals lead generation. Networking is probably one of the slowest ways to, to generate leads, but it's still highly effective. Worst case scenario, build a funnel. Okay, you build a funnel, you're going to meet indirectly a lot of people. You're going to explain to them what you do for a living. You buy rental properties. You add value to the communities. You're always looking for properties that are for sale, people that are tired landlords, yada, yada, yada. When you spend time building a database and generating leads, lots of people are going to start to know who you are. They're going to reach out to you. Then you can network with them, find out what their problems are, how you can solve, how you can solve them, how you can help them. And then you're going to create win-win deals just like we talked about here. So, guys, hope you found value in this. I hope it didn't. Maybe tweak your brain a little bit too much if you get hung up on this. Frankly, if you're a licensed agent and are trying to figure out how to make this work for you, reach out to me. Get on the phone. Go to cashflowguys.com forward slash ask Tyler. Get on my calendar. Let's talk about it. Let's brainstorm it. Speaking of which, I am looking for investor-friendly real estate agents across the country. If you are a re a re an investor-friendly real estate agent across the country and want leads handed to you on a silver platter of buyers and sellers, that are looking for investment property or looking to sell investment property, they need to consider being a sponsor of the Cashflow Guys podcast. If you're interested, you want to find more about that, go ahead and email me at info at cashflowguys.com. I can send you over the package that explains the whole thing, how you can sponsor the show. We'll run uh, ads in your market on the podcast. They'll be what they call uh, uh, basically the, the pre-run ads. So the first thing you'll hear before I even come on would be an endorsement for you. But for that to happen, I'm going to have to get to know you a little bit. So we're going to have to talk. I'm going to understand more about your business, how you're doing things, how you structure deals. And if we can work it out to where I think that you're of the caliber of somebody that I would want to represent the brand, Cashflow Guys, then maybe we can work something out. Maybe you can be an approved agent for the Cashflow Guys brand, be a sponsor of the show, get yourself lots and lots of leads. And everybody's happy. You can add value to the community. Everybody's a win-win. So that said, if you're an agent, licensed real estate agent, or a title company, and you're interested in that type of an arrangement, 
reach out to me at cashflowguys or info at cashflowguys.com and uh, we'll reach out and, and get on the calendar and let's talk about it and move on to the next thing. So Brian, I hope you found value in this question. I hope this helps you see what's possible out there by simply asking questions and getting the answers. You, you know, spending that time getting to know folks, helping them grow their business because this is a you help me, I help you. We help everybody. When we help each other, that's how we grow. That's how we become bigger, better investors. This is how we all prosper and we're not having to rely on the man, having to go out and chase those leads, having to do all the hard stuff. Eventually, as you grow your network, boys and girls, you'll be making more money, you'll be doing more deals, better deals, and not going to be dependent on third parties to make it happen for you folks. That could be expensive. Hope you found value in this episode this week. I hope you go out there and take some action and I'll catch up with you next time. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas. So you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.